We began a sermon series last Sunday morning that we're going to be in this fall and maybe in early, uh, into early in the spring called Marvel. It's based from the Gospel of Mark, which Mark is a marvelous gospel. It's the shortest of the four biographies of Jesus. We believe it was written by a guy named John Mark, and he was listening to Peter uh, as Peter told the story of Jesus Christ. Sixteen chapters, but it's packed with energy. Twenty miracles, at least, that expound on the greatness of God. And, and it's like the Marvel comic books with the superheroes. In this series, you have uh, super events from the greatest hero of all, Jesus Christ. We are in Mark chapter 1 today. If you have a Bible, if you don't, we will be on the screens in just a moment. Uh, we're going to talk about storms today. You know, one thing I found out when I moved to Louisiana almost 10 years ago is we know about storms in Louisiana, don't we? I mean, I lived in parts of the country where you knew about storms, but Louisiana and the coast, you know about storms. Uh, Isaac hit in the end of August. We have a picture, I think, of a little bit. That's just, uh, you know, that's a typical hurricane scene, isn't it? Car run by gigantic tree uprooted and wires all over the place. And, you know, if you live in Louisiana, and especially the closer you get to the coast, you, you do need to understand the dynamics about storms because they are a part of our existence. Well, today, I want us to talk about a storm, about storms, but a different kind of storms. I want us to talk about the storms that we face in life. And let me tell you why it's so important that you get a handle on this Because no matter who you are, no matter how young you are, old you are, rich you are, poor you are, storms are going to be a part of your existence. I want to walk us through in Mark 1 about Jesus' temptation storm and see what God has to say to us. Here's the first thing. And this is so important to get a hold of. Following God's will, following God for your life will lead you to great things and it will lead you into storms. Now, that's not what you wanted to hear this morning, probably. And, you know, here's the problem why we don't buy into this is you hear a preacher on TV saying, follow Jesus and it'll be perfect peace and health and wealth and you'll be skinny, right? I've accomplished one of those things, I think. You'll have to figure it out which one it is later. I haven't accomplished any of those things, but... The bottom line is, so the the thought is, if you're following God and life gets tough, things are hard, people are not nice, life turns upside down, then somehow you may, must be blowing it. And of course, you get out of God's will, you are going to have multiple problems. But look in verse 12 and 13 about Jesus Christ today. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. This story is told in more detail in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. But this story today gives us some some really great insights into some very important things. This is right after Jesus had been baptized. His public ministry was just about kicking off. And it says some some interesting words in verse 12, at once, that, that word at once, that phrase or that concept is used 46 times in the 16 chapters of this book. Maybe it says at once or maybe it says immediately, but it's the concept that right after Jesus got baptized, this happened quickly. At once, it says, 
the Spirit sent him out into the desert. Remember, the New Testament was written in a Greek language that was more expressive than ours. And when it says the Spirit sent him out into the desert, it's not expressing the power of this. It's literally a picture of someone being thrust out or being driven somewhere. Now, it doesn't mean Jesus didn't have a say in it, but what it, what it was saying was that God powerfully, I mean, really laid it on his heart and said, this is where you are supposed to go. So right after he's baptized, the heavens tear open. God proclaims he is his son. The Holy Spirit descends on the form of a dove. And almost immediately, the Holy Spirit leads him out into a desolate place. We believe this was somewhere west of Jericho, north of the Dead Sea. What was the wilderness like then? Well, to the superstitious, they said it was a haunt of demons. And you can figure out why. I mean, a, a wilderness area is a creepy area. It says he was with wild animals. Back in this day, the desert in Israel, there would have been leopards, bears, wild boar, jackals. Every Louisiana Bubba's dream come true if you had a rifle with you. Problem is, Jesus did not have a... Uh, a hunting license or a rifle at that time. And yeah, the desert was a place of solitude where you could pray and where your cell phone wasn't going to go off or you weren't going to get beeped or you weren't going to get tweeted or pestered. But it was also a place of lonely desolation and it was a dangerous place. What What an interesting concept that Jesus Christ following God perfectly, God led him to a place that was going to be brutally hard. Now, it's so important this morning that you get a hold to this, that God's will for your life is what's best, it's great, it's where peace is going to be found, where success is going to be found. But when you follow God, that does not mean it's all going to be roses and it's all going to be perfect. Teddy Allen is one of our church members, and Teddy works for Louisiana Tech, and he writes part-time for the Shreveport Times. When 2005, he was writing full-time for the Shreveport Times, and Right after Hurricane Katrina, his boss sent him and a photographer to New Orleans. So they were down in New Orleans a few weeks after the storm. You know, everything was terrible. They were writing stories, taking pictures. Well, if you remember, four weeks after Katrina, Rita came in. I mean, it was like we couldn't even catch our breath. And, and Teddy's boss, I guess he really didn't like him. Teddy's boss said, hey, everything in New Orleans is kind of calm. We want you to go to Lafayette. So Teddy said, we're on Interstate 10, and we're going west, and nobody is on the road at all. And everybody going east, it's bumper to bumper. In other words, his boss sent him right into the the storm. He said, we got near Lafayette to a little village. We were interviewing some people. A few hours later, water was chest deep in that area. Some may argue Teddy's boss was trying to get rid of him, but he was probably sending him there for a good story. You know, sometimes our boss... God, when you follow him, he's always going to lead you to the right place. But man, don't delude yourself or don't get tricked by somebody who knows half-truths about the gospel. Following God oftentimes will lead you right into the middle of the storms of life, okay? Now, here's the second thing. Let's talk about the why of the storms, the why and how of the storms. Why does God, why does God put us through storms? Here's the reason. God puts us through storms to strengthen us. 
The second point, God uses storms to strengthen us and to prepare us. In verses 12 through 13, at once the Spirit sent him out to the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. Now, in the New Testament, the word tempted can be used in two different ways, and it always depends on the context. The same word can literally mean to be tested or to to test something or try to prove something. It can also mean to be tempted to sin, to solicit someone to sin. God never solicits, solicits us to sin. We sin because of our own natures and wrong desires and because of the pull of the bad guy. We'll see in a minute. But God will allow us to go through things to test us to strengthen us and to, to prove us to see if we're true. In Hebrews 2.18, long time after this, listen to what it says about Jesus. Because he himself suffered when he is tent- was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus went through the storms in part to prepare him for the ministry that was fixing to happen, to prepare him to be able to help you and me. Folks, God allows things in our lives. God leads you into things in your life. Sometimes just to see if you're going to be true. And and if you're going to remain faithful. To test us. To prove your validity. You know, this morning, almost everyone here came to church in a vehicle, I'm assuming. When, when you drove that vehicle or whoever drove that vehicle off the car lot, you did not want that salesman to say, now look, no, nobody's ever driven a car like this. We have no idea what those tires are going to do when you get to 50. But good luck. You got a deal. Or that roof, you know, we have no idea how that roof will withstand wind. So if you're going 60 miles an hour, we hope and pray your roof stays on. But again, you got a good deal. No, a prototype of your vehicle has been tested. It's been proven. And folks, before God can use us, we've got to go through the fire and make it through the fire. Some people are saying, oh, I want God to use me. I want God to use me. But every time it gets hot, we bail out of the kitchen. We don't stay true. We don't pass the test. We don't let God strengthen us and build us where he can use us. I love discipleship classes. Classes, discipleship is the idea that you're trying to help people become like Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose of a discipleship class. Let me tell you the very best discipleship class to teach you how to be like Jesus Christ, a storm. Did you get that? Not a class taught by me, not a class taught by Clayton, not a class taught by anybody in our church. But when God leads you and you go through the hard times and you come through properly, that is when you are being developed to be like Jesus Christ more than anything else. Why are some of you going today, man, why am I going through this? Why six months from now some of you are going to be wiping tears out of your eyes and going, why am I going through this? I think I'm just following God and it's so hard. Because God uses storms to test us and to strengthen us. But here's the third thing, and it's not near as good. Satan uses storms to ruin us. Folks, just like God wants to use the tough times to build you up, the devil wants to use them to ruin you. In verse 13, and he was in the desert being tempted by Satan. The word tempted there. In the context with Satan literally means to solicit someone to sin. When I was a kid growing up, 
I knew the Matthew and the Luke story better. And I always thought Jesus in the desert 40 days, he got tempted three times. He passed the test. It was cool. Never again. That's not the way it was. Jesus was being tested and tempted the whole time he was in the desert. In fact, Luke 4.13 tells us this. It says, when the devil had finished all this tempting... He left him until an opportune time. In other words, guys, the devil doesn't tempt you until you're 22 and then he's done. Wouldn't that be great for us who are 23 and older? The devil doesn't tempt you until you're 60 and then you're done. The devil is going to be messing with your head and messing with your life the rest of your life. Norman Mailer, an American author, said something I thought was pretty interesting. He said, if people, if people do not believe in God or the devil, they may not be crazy, but they're certainly intellectually malnourished. And I would agree with that. And most of us here today, certainly we would believe in God. Do you understand there's a real devil too? Did you know the thing the devil wants you to do more than anything else, even more than he would want you to worship him, he wants you to deny he exists. Do you know that? That's when he can be on top of his game better than any other time. Because, see, if you don't believe something exists, you're not very afraid of it, are you? Hence the monster under the bed. We get past that at about 17 or 18, don't we? 20 to 25, maybe. Folks, the, the, the word devil... The Hebrew word devil means adversary. The Greek word Satan means slanderer. You know what we're dealing with? You're dealing with someone, a fallen angel, who is an adversary, who is a slanderer, who wants to do everything he can to derail you and to ruin your life. And when you're going through the hard times, just like Jesus, he started whispering in Jesus' ear, there's got to be a better way. Are you sure you want to go through with it? Jesus, why should you have to suffer like this? And you know what he whispers in your ear? He whispers things in your ear like, you know what? This God stuff's just not worth it. And why do you keep praying? And why do you keep coming to church? And why do you keep trying to live for Christ when you keep getting kicked and kicked and kicked? You've heard those words before, haven't you? You see, when things are tough, Satan jumps in the middle of it. While God's trying to test you and build you up, Satan's in there trying to destroy you. Let me give you a fourth thought on these. Storms often come after great victories. Now, this may sound unusual at first, but this is such a good move on the devil's part. Verses 10 and 11, and Jesus was coming out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. Jesus was baptized, man. Heaven tore open. God the father speaks down and says, that's my boy. The spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, listen, if there were Baptists there, they were eating after that, weren't they? <laughs> That's fellowship time. I'm sure if there were Baptists there, they were criticizing it too. Well, why did he get baptized in that robe? Great event. Great event. And then in verse 13, at once, immediately, the Spirit led him forcefully led him into the wilderness 
where he was going to get kicked for the next month and a half. Folks, it doesn't seem natural, but it's absolutely real that after the big times in your life and the great times is when Satan has got a door that we're often not aware that's open. Dr. Archibald Hart is a Christian psychologist in California. He's a professor. He's a wonderful counselor. And several years ago, I was reading some of his works, and here's what he said. He said, after the big event, maybe it's the football game, maybe it's the church service for the preacher or the worship leader, or maybe it's the the big family event or Christmas or whatever it is, and you're pumped up and you're excited. It's been great. Your adrenaline's been flowing, and then it's all that's over, that there is a natural physiological and psychological psychological drop in your system. For years, I was too dumb to understand that. We could call it post-victory blues, but it's normal. And Satan knows that's true too. And that's when he will start trying to get in your head and mess with your head. Friend, be aware that after the great times and during the great times, you are susceptible. John Madden It's more than just a video game guy. He was a great coach for years. John Madden said this. John Madden said when he coached the Oakland Raiders back when they were really good, 800 years ago when they were really good, he said, I was always harder on my team after victories than after defeats. He said, when they got beat, everybody was telling them how bad they were. When they won, everybody's telling them how good they were, and it was my job to keep them humble. Because if they didn't stay humble after a victory, they were susceptible to getting taken down the next week. See, the devil knows that. It was after one of the highlights of Jesus' life that he was led into this tough time. Be aware, folks, that after the victory... There can come some serious, serious challenges. Now, this may sound contradictory, but it's not. Storms not only come after the great times, they come when we are weak. They come when we are weak. Obviously, you're going to be somewhat weak after a victory. In verse 13, it says, And he was tempted, solicited to sin by Satan. In Matthew chapter 4, it gives a little more It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, hold that there, Kyle, he was hungry. How many of you agree with that? (laughs) You may totally disagree with the rest of the Bible. You got to be on board with that one verse, okay? Verse 3, Satan came to him and said, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, you get that? Tell these stones to become bread. To me, he would have said, turn those into chocolate donuts. (laughs) And I would have been tempted to go... Two dozen or three? Where did the the devil hit Jesus? Right where he was vulnerable. Why do you think we're any different? I want you to see a video that was made Wednesday. This was not staged. It's hilarious. And I thank God I was not there. I would have been caught in the middle of it. And the adult worker talked it off at the end. (laughs) Isn't that great? I praise God I didn't go over there that night because that would have been humiliating for many, many years to come. Parents, that wouldn't hold up in a court of law. We obviously, you know, we obviously set the kids up. But, you know, you you set a bunch of cookies in front of kids and you put do not eat and they're playing and they're hungry. They're very vulnerable, correct? Hey, you not think the devil's better than your church staff at setting somebody up? (laughs) 
You married men or you married women, you got problems at home. If you do, guess what? You're normal. Your marital bliss becomes perfect in heaven. And you're unhappy at times. And, and then there's that guy or that girl at work who, who really listens. And they care because they don't live with you. And they think your breath always smells good because they don't live with you. And everything they say to you is perfect. And that's the devil getting in your head saying, you know, that's who I need. And some of you, you struggle with alcohol or drug abuse. And when is the devil going to hit you with that? He's going to hit you when you're lonely and you're sad and you're depressed. And he's going to whisper in your ear, you know, it's not going to hurt to have a few beers. And some people, that's going to hurt real bad. Or he's going to say, it's not going to hurt you just to go back to that pill cabinet one more time. You see, the devil is, he's awfully good at what he does. And when the storms hit you, you're going to be weak and he's going to move in to try to destroy you. Be aware of that. Let me give you one last thought on how storms work. Storms often come before, before great events. Not only do they come after great events, but they come before great events. Folks, Satan does not know the future. He's not omniscient. He does not know everything. But he can sense when things are going to happen. He can sense when a church is unified and happy. He can sense when your marriage is going well. Or he can see that. He can see those things. And, and, and when things are fixing to take off and go great, he understands that. In verse 14 and 15, after the temptation... John was put in prison, bad for John. But Jesus began proclaiming the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, here's what's fixing to happen right after the temptation. Whether the devil knows all of it or not, we don't know. But he has to know something great's fixing to happen. Jesus is fixing to go public and start preaching and teaching and healing people. And the devil's trying to do everything he can to mess that up where, where it can't happen. Folks, I want to tell you, the devil can sense when God's working in your life. When your church, in your family, in your business. God can sense when something good's fixing, the uh, devil can sense when something good's fixing to happen. And he will jump in your, your stuff so fast to try to mess you up. You won't even be able to count to three before he'll be there. I want to give you two stories. One's from my life. When I was a young Christian, I was going through some storms. And I got to a point where I finally said, you know what? I just, I, I, I'm not going to make right decisions. I didn't make that choice that I'm going to make. But I just didn't. I just quit doing some right things that I needed to do. And I made some mistakes. And you know what? Two or three months later, some great opportunities came that I wasn't in a position to take them because I had choked in the storm. The devil knew that was fixing to happen. A little bit better note, back in 2007, we had a guy named Rick Stanley come and do a one-day one crusade. Y'all remember that? He was Elvis Presley's stepbrother. Rick came on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. He did a youth event on Monday night. We had more people, besides the Heaven's Gates uh, productions, we had more decisions for Christ, more decisions on a Sunday than I have ever seen here at this church. I mean, it was phenomenal, a phenomenal day. Two weeks before that happened, I was ready to pull my hair out. 
I mean, it seemed like what little there is left. I mean, it would have been a chore to find it, but I was willing to do it. I mean, the devil was hitting us from every angle. Every, every unhappy, every person that was mad at somebody. I mean, if they lived in Shreveport, they pulled in here and screamed at us. It was unbelievable. And I, I emailed one of my friends and I said, man, wh- pray for me. He said, tell me what's going on. And I told him, and by the way, we have a revival in two weeks. He said, that's what's going on. The devil's doing everything he can to derail that. Thank God we held the course and God worked. Folks, when you're in the storm, understand that great things may be right around the corner, okay? So that leads me to the final thought here. How do we make it through the storms? How do we make it through the storms? They're going to come. They're going to come at different times and at different angles, the, the goal of Satan is always to ruin you. God's always trying to prove you and strengthen you. How do we make it through the storms? I read an article this week by a guy, a guy named Craig Riddle. Craig Riddle is a, uh, uh, he's a naturalist or he works out in nature and he writes a lot. And he wrote an, an article about how to deal with a mountain lion. We've got a picture of a mountain lion. <clears throat> That's a cute little kitty, isn't it? Craig had a real encounter with a mountain lion, so he not only knows it from theory, but he knows it on fact. Did you know if you go home today and in your backyard a mountain lion corners you, you are not supposed to turn and run. Did you know that? You only turn and run unless there's a slower person with you, correct? (laughs) You look at, I can outrun you, I'm gone. Because a mountain lion's modus operandi is they are going to attack, they attack their prey from behind, they clamp down, this is terrible, right at the base of your skull on your, your, your spinal cord there. They snap that right at the top where you have no ability to do anything and then you become their supper. Craig knew that. So here comes this mountain lion. The mountain lion begins to circle him. He knows what it's doing. Everywhere the mountain lion went, he would follow it. Kept his eyeball to eyeball with the mountain lion. I said, I pulled out my knife. I said, I had no idea what I was going to do with it. But it's like a pacifier. It made me feel better. Said at one time, the mountain lion walked within 10 feet of him, just staring each other down. The mountain lion the whole time was wanting him to turn and run. Finally, the mountain lion eased off and, and went away. You need to know how to deal with Satan. You need to know how to deal with the storms. Here's the first thing. Lean into God. Lean into God. See, here's what we do. We lean into our feelings and our emotions. And I'm not making fun of your feelings or emotions. They're real, but they can... Just because you feel something, don't make it right. Amen? Well, that's how I feel. Well, Jiminy Crickets, what if I feel different? And you're not going to always feel like God loves you and God cares for you. Don't lean into your feelings. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, we don't have time to go into it. Jesus held on to God. He held on to the Word of God. He quoted the Bible back to the devil. Lean in to God. When you're in the storms, here's what people do. We quit coming to church. We quit praying. We quit reading our Bible. We do everything that we need to do. We quit doing everything we need to do to help us. It's like saying the enemy's attacking, so I'm going to throw out my guns and my bullets. Lean into God. Number two, hang in there. The great temptation in the middle of a storm is to want to quit. I guarantee you, there's at some point, Jesus probably, as the human Jesus, he probably said to himself, you know, I ought to walk out of this desert. 
Galatians 6, 9 says this. Don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Read this last part with me. If we do not give up. Hang in there, and folks, victory will come. It'll come. In verse 13, at the end of it, it says, And the angels ministered to Jesus. Did you know the Bible says, New Testament says, Angels are ministering servants to you and me. And not only do we have angels ministering to us, we have the Lord Jesus himself. Folks, when you're going through the storms, and you will be, keep your hand in God's hand, you hang in there, and you know that God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, boy, there's a lot of things for us to chew on today. Put your hand or keep your hand in God's is the number one thing. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, would you pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son who died and who arose for me. And I ask you today to come into my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a moment. Just a second, we're going to stand and and I'm going to challenge you to respond to Christ. Maybe today you ask Jesus into your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. We'll have ministers down front. We would love to help you with this decision. You come and give your life to Christ today. Maybe today you're ready to join our church. We would love for you to do that. You need a church home. You need people to lean into in the storm's life. One way you can join is by coming in a moment. Come and join us. Christian, maybe today you want to come pray at the altar or pray with a minister. Maybe where you're standing or at the altar, you need to say to God, God, I'm going to keep my hand in yours. I'm going to keep on. God, I want to see, see it through to victory. Let's stand. And you respond as God's leading you to.